This is episode eight with Stavros. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream. And they fill it with their secrets. It's called Inception. Hello everyone and welcome to Cerebral Mind Control. My name is Hadlin. I am a hypnotist, magician, mentalist, and speaker. Every week I will bring to you a driven, focused artist or entrepreneur and pick their brains on how they have learned to control their minds for success. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome back to the Cerebral Mind Control Podcast. On this episode, we have Stavros Stavro, a math outreach coordinator and sessional lecturer at the University of Saskatchewan in the College of Arts and Science. He has his master's in math, and he's currently reaching for his master's in education as well. He'll be quickly, when I say, attaining the rank, if you will, of PhD. And this man is so smart, so driven. He's such a hard worker. We get to learn about the power of learning from your students and how that helps to translate and to express your teachings in a more powerful way. How to realize your own advantages in life and how that can really help you to push past and go forward in your life as long as you acknowledge what is there. He has such a way about him. He has a calm, cool confidence. And everything that he has attained to this point, he feels just came naturally to him, which is so cool. You get to learn about how if you just continue to work hard and believe in your work, that people gravitate towards you. And he feels like things have just fallen into place. And you get to hear a bit more about that and how he came to the current level that he is at. And you guys got to make sure that you keep an eye on him. He is up to some very, very amazing things. Now, this episode has been brought to you by Hadlin Entertainment, the premium corporate quality entertainment services. Now, without further ado, let's meet Mr. Stavros Stavro. All right. Thank you very much for coming out. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's exciting. We met uh, at TEDx briefly here in Saskatoon. Right. But tell me a bit more about you because, unfortunately, you know, it was so busy and hectic that day. I was extremely nervous and I kind of put myself in a corner in the back room and, you know, it, I didn't really... Uh, meet you as well as I wanted to. Right, yeah, I noticed you were back there prepping and I didn't want to disturb you. I didn't really want to disturb anybody. I was second to go up and I was I was nervous too. Um, but I, uh, fortunately, going second, I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to sit around. So I just kind of practiced a few times and then I jumped right into it. And it was great going second because then I get to actually enjoy the rest of the talks. Yeah. As opposed to a lot of the people that were going last just said that they... Couldn't really focus on anything, but so you are you've done a lot of research in order to help people learn uh, math essentially uh, how did you get into that? Well, originally, I was um, hired to do math outreach for the department, and I just had a master's degree in math, so um, you know I started doing the work I was um, working with some schools, and basically what happened was. Um, I felt like I wasn't really connecting with the students. Okay. So, fortunately, kind of right around when I started doing this outreach work, I started a master's, my second master's in education. And it was kind of from there that I started to realize that there's a lot more with, um, with teaching. Um, and then that kind of guided my outreach and helped me to make it better, make it more accessible, um, include some necessary concepts, things like that. Okay. And the concepts that you come up with, uh, how do you come up with those ideas? Uh, well, a lot of it is just through collaboration. So I, I meet with um, Indigenous teachers and elders and, and people like that. 
and we just kind of share stories and that's how I can get ideas from that. Okay. Well, very cool. And you said you have a master's degree. So how long, sorry, forgive my ignorance, how long does that take to get uh, something like that? Usually two years. Two years? Okay. Yeah. And did it take you two years? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it, actually, it takes a lot and you can attest to that in order to be able to get to that level of education, right? Mm-hmm. How did you stay motivated when you were in school? Uh, I feel like it actually went by really quickly. You know, you do your classes, you have to do your work, and and then from there, um, all of a sudden, two years goes by. I mean, I, I guess in retrospect, there are times when you feel, I think everybody kind of feels like giving up or, or something, but, you know, it's just, you just keep going, and then you're always with people in similar situations, so you just motivate each other. Okay, so you you get motivated just feeding off of other people's energy. Yeah. Do you feel like you were always like that? Yeah, I think whenever I'm maybe in a sticky situation or something, I can just always talk to someone and, and just hearing them say that they experience the same thing is, is helpful. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Good. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Now, in your outreach program, have you come into any roadblocks and, you know, things that may have been, uh, that were hard to get through or get past? Um, well, it's kind of in its infancy, like I've only been doing that for about two years. And I, I think the hardest part is that you have a very big variety of, of skill levels in the classroom. So I mean, you have to try and make an activity that accommodates all that, the, all the different skill levels that you'll have in the classroom. So I mean, trying to work around that is always uh, an interesting task. So can you tell me a bit about uh, some of your unique ideas that are helping? Well, I mean, for example, just making an activity that um, allows the students to kind of teach me something so that it's not so, um, the teaching isn't so one-directional, you know? Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask the students, like I work in a Cree classroom, so I'll have the students teach me the numbers in Cree, and then we can build off that. You know, we can talk about multiplication, addition, subtraction, but we can use Cree numbers instead of just English. So okay. that's one idea. All right. And... Do you find that uh, the ideas that you're presenting to them, is that something that you've maybe been using yourself? Well, I I don't know necessarily. Like, I feel like, I, I no, I would say I was taught math differently than the way I'm teaching math, so I'd have to say no. No? Okay. No. On your way to your current level of success, can you tell me one small thing that has helped to shape everything not maybe not everything but one small thing that you've done or experienced that has helped to change the direction i i think probably uh one of the graduate classes that i took uh, when i was doing my master's in education it was on anti-oppressive education or anti-racist education and that was really a life-changing class for me um, i mean essentially it just it teaches you that um when you're in the classroom in particular and you're teaching something, there's an intended um, lesson, but also there are unintended lessons being taught. Um, and then those are really what you have to watch out for because those um, unintended lessons are kind of what perpetuates and, and maintains power relations, um, okay. you know, dominance and oppression in the classroom. So, I mean, that was the, the biggest thing that kind of opened my eyes. Okay, so now that you were talking about dominance, does that mean you... Actually, you know what, I'm kind of seeing that where when you're going to, and you're having, sorry, your students teach you something that is almost bringing you down to the same level, right? So that you're relating to them more. Right, yeah. Um, so it, in one sense, it's, it is making it so that, um, you know, you don't always have the teacher in the classroom that's supposed to know everything. I mean, the, the fact is that you should be kind of building knowledge together because, you know, children do have something to offer uh, because everybody has a background, everybody has a history. Um, but I guess, but what I meant in particular in terms of dominance is just that, um, you know, for example, if you ask a lot of teachers, you know, do you teach all of your, do you treat all of your children equally, all of your, all of your students the same? And a lot of them will say, yes, like I don't, uh, for example, I don't see race in the classroom. Like I just, everyone is the same. I treat them all equally. And, and that's, I think that colorblindness is a nice philosophy if you want to think of it that way, but it, it, it's not realistic. It doesn't work. The fact is that, 
um, a lot of people are at a disadvantage, um, you know, for because of their race, for example. So, I mean, you can't actually homogenize your class because that does perpetuate, um, you know, dominance and, and um, oppressive practices because, you know, certain students will need more help just because of, you know, socioeconomic factors, things like that. So, I mean, you actually do need to acknowledge race in the classroom, for example. Okay. Yeah. Has your visible difference, has that ever hindered you? No, I have a benefit being a white male, okay. to be honest. Um, and that's, you know, something that I don't, um, that a lot of people don't realize is that just, you know, by virtue of their gender and their race, they have a lot of um, privileges. And that was what the, the, um, that class helped to teach me, uh, is that that's something that you have to realize. Because, you know, after, after I took that class, I, I started talking to a lot of different people. And, um, you know, for example, I, I tutor at the university some um, Indigenous women. And I, I just asked them if they ever felt like their race, you know, being Indigenous, put them at a disadvantage. And they said, well... For example, whenever they go to the store, they feel like they're being followed. And, you know, this is not something I've never experienced. And this is something that they regularly experience. So this is part of their life. This isn't part of mine. And I can't relate to it. In fact, I didn't even know it existed. I mean, you have an idea that st storekeepers sometimes sure. follow people. But, I mean, the fact that it was so prevalent in so many um, Indigenous students, and these are just, I mean, these are just regular people, and they're yeah. they are going shopping, and they're just being followed in the store because of their race, so, yeah. And I actually, I can attest to that. I just, I'm Filipino, and I have been followed, too, for random reasons. Like, I'm not going to shoplift. However, someone probably should be watching me, because... A magician can make things disappear <laughs> with sleight of hand pretty soon, easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the right to be suspicious of you, maybe. I'm waiting for you to like do a trick, but uh, we'll wait till after, and I'll I'll show you some magic. Sure. Yeah. Now you currently, what's the biggest difference between you now and you five years ago? Hmm, that's a good question. Me now and me five years ago. I think. A lot of it has to do with, you know, that question caught me off guard. I don't know why. Um, well, it's okay. You can, we can go back to it if you'd like. Sure, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's going to be similar, though. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years with the, with the program and everything that you're currently doing to help the community? Well, I'm trying to... Um, get into a PhD program and that's yeah but it's going to be a little bit of a struggle just because um, I'm trying to do something with math education and just kind of based on where I am um, there's actually not a lot in Canada Canada in particular Saskatchewan is actually really behind when it comes to like Aboriginal math education okay so um, you know within the next five years I need to kind of look at more research in this area, maybe publish some results myself. Um, I have to kind of get my PhD proposal um, in play and, and, you know, jump through the hoops of the application process, that kind of thing. So you're really at the forefront of this all. You're kind of creating everything and I, everybody will be following your footsteps once you... Hopefully. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely following other people. Um, but I kind of have a monopoly right now um, just because, you know, the, the big thing right now in, in Saskatoon in the school system is, you know, finding what Aboriginal math education is, what it means. And, yeah, like a lot of people don't understand it. I mean, I don't understand it myself. This is something I'm trying to understand. So, yeah, I, I'm really lucky that I get to do this work right now. Very cool. Yeah. How do you manage your workload on a daily basis because I'm sure you have a lot to do every single day. Do you create a to-do list? Like, how do you know what to do next? Yeah, it's uh, I, I definitely do have a lot of work and I have a 
an issue with saying no, so I tend to take on a lot of work. Uh, definitely to-do lists help. Um, I like crossing something off. I like completing something. I like finishing something. A lot of the things I do are really long-term, though. Um, you know, a lot of research things you can't really finish in a month and right. things like that. So um, I guess it's just that's just an example of, um, you know, you're working at something and all of a sudden, you know, a long period of time goes by a year and then you kind of complete stuff. And yeah, I don't have a good answer for that, but no problem. No problem. How about if we go back to, you know, your time getting your, your master's, how are you managing your time then with school and your personal life? And, and I don't know, were you working at the time too? Yeah, like when you're a grad student, you get hired to do some teaching, like lab labs and um, marking and stuff like that. Um, I feel like when I first got into university, I felt like I could never keep up with classes. And I was just kind of told that that's how it will be. Like, it's nothing like high school. You can't really expect to be caught up in all of your classes all the time. Okay. So, you know, when I fell behind, I it shocked me because I'm used to keeping up and and then it just kind of became normal and you realize that you can't do everything so you do what you can and uh, grad studies like when I started doing my master's I was really no different you know you just have to do what you can and and the fact is yeah you have to work at the same time to support yourself um, I was really lucky I was always getting work through the math department like grading and, okay. and things like that so I always had stuff to do very cool yeah Always kept really busy. Yeah. Now, do you think that, like, wh where do you think that all stemmed from, you being an extremely hard worker? Is that maybe something you learned from your parents, or is that something that you've, you know, learned over time? Yeah, I think, um, you know, having a strong work, work ethic is something that I, I would say I pick up, picked up from my, from my dad. Yeah, he, um, there's, five of us kids I'm the oldest and um, you know he was always gone working all the time um, my mom stayed at home with us for a while but then eventually she started working okay. so me being the oldest I had the responsibility of you Taking know care of exactly yeah. and how was that that was sometimes a power trip because <laughs> uh, you know you you're the boss of the house and and so all of a sudden your siblings you know they have to listen to you that kind of thing so that's really cool um i i got to do a lot of things first of course like driver's license graduate like all that stuff i get to do all that first um but then of course there's you know it was a big time uh commitment to always help my siblings out, so. Right. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder you're a leader currently. You've been almost trained to be that. Oh, thanks. At a young age. And, yeah, I I can't wait for the TEDx videos to come out. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, they're going to be great to finally be able to watch everybody. Yeah. That uh, missed. Uh, did you watch the very first person that went before you? I didn't because there's actually a problem with my microphone. Like uh, while the first person was out, they were trying to connect me to a microphone and we were testing it and it didn't work. And then they were ripping it off and putting another one on. That one didn't work. And uh, eventually all of a sudden they were like, okay, she's off in two minutes. What do we do? And I was freaking out because I was like, you know, I don't need to worry about this right now. Like, this is just awful. Um, but she came off stage and they quickly took off the mic, took the microphone off of her and connected it to me. And then, uh, yeah, I went on and I did it. I, 12 minutes went by just like that. And, uh, yeah, I came off and actually while I was doing my talk, my earpiece, or my microphone came off the tape because you know they taped it right. down yeah yeah the tape came off and then it fell off my ear and it was just hanging there and I was like oh I think they could still hear me so I just left it and I just finished I had like a minute left and okay. <laughs> I didn't want it to distract me because I was worried I'd forget what I was saying but yeah well good job to be able to go through that even though some people may have been worried and maybe fumbled or something you know yeah yeah Pushed through like nothing happened yeah Good that's job. what Angela said she's like oh you're a machine you just did it and I was <laughs> like yeah I had to like I didn't want to stop I just wanted to keep going and so how did you find out about TEDx 
I actually um, met Angela because she works at Eagle Feather News, um, an an indigenous newspaper, and um, she did a a report on my math outreach. So she came to the classroom and she actually watched me do a couple activities with students and she really liked it. And then just a couple months later, I guess, uh, she sent me an email and said, hey, like we're doing a TEDx event, I'm an organizer, and what you did, I think, aligns with our theme. So I encourage you to apply. And I did. And I got it. It was great. That's awesome. And what about you? How did you? Um, Well, actually, I've always watched TEDx videos and TED videos. And I looked up to see if there was one in Saskatoon. Found that there was one in 2010. Yeah. And there was nothing said or announced yet. So I just sent an email. And finally, maybe eight months later, they contacted me back and said, hey, we're we're putting an event on. Applications begin right away. And yeah, I actually, I almost missed the application deadline. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I was about to go to uh, a camping trip. And just before I, I, oh, I'll just check the TEDx website. Deadline is tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Just about didn't get it. Yeah. So I, I made my application right away. And, yeah, I was late for our camping trip, but that's okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I intended to do it when I got back. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, no, that's a really <clears throat> weird coincidence that you were thinking about it, like thinking about doing it um, eight months prior. Because, yeah, you're right. I remember Angela saying that they had one before, because this is the second one. Uh, but I didn't realize it was so long ago. Yeah. I'm glad they came back. Yeah, I hope they do it again. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would go to it. Apply again? Yeah, I would. I would probably apply again. Um, I have to think of something different to talk about. But I now, would. when you were preparing your your talk or your speech or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, how much work were you putting on into that on a daily basis? Well, fortunately, I've had to give talks before about my outreach. Okay. And I mean, part of Part of doing this type of work is that you have to justify um, your program to get things like funding. So I often have to talk about, to a general audience, what I do and like why it's necessary and who's benefiting, stuff like that. So I've, I've actually had a lot of practice doing that. So coming up with something to say was easy. Um, condensing it to something that's, you know, less than 15 minutes, um, was slightly more challenging but again I had Angela help me um, review kind of what should be in there like what should stand out and kind of the point of the talk I mean there's a general format when you watch TEDx videos right like you you know what a successful one looks like they have that kind of hook at the at the start and you know you it connects at the end and so and and she's really good for for seeing that structure. So she helped me kind of uh, flesh that out in my in my Excellent. talk. Yeah. And now you have that to bring with you to all the other presentations you give. Yeah. Oh. It's all downhill from there, hey. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I could see you doing uh, like a TED Med or something. Oh really? You know? Thanks. Yeah, getting on one of those bigger stages in Vancouver or something. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I could see you doing that. Thank you. Yeah. Now. Let's go back to that question. You yourself five years ago to now, what well, would you say? Yeah. I guess five years ago, I would say I just probably I took myself too seriously because you know when you're a teenager, you take yourself seriously, and then I think that sort of gets better over time as you become an adult. Um, I guess another thing is just. Um, I wanted to, I always wanted to get a PhD, so I've always kind of been working towards that. Um, if I can maybe go back and talk to my past self, I don't know if I would necessarily say or do anything differently, um, because I feel like how I got here, it was kind of by accident. 
like I said, I was never planning to do, I was never really planning to go the education route. I was actually always planning to do a pure math degree. Um, and I did a pure math master's, but it was just really luck that I got into doing um, education also. And then, I mean, that was so instrumental in developing my outreach. So, I mean, it's just, it was all lucky how it fell together. Very cool. Yeah. yeah it, it, I feel like uh, we're on similar levels in that way because I never planned on being an entertainer and by any means. I was actually, I was going to be a computer scientist. Really? Yeah. So I did a couple of years of university with that and then started learning magic on the side. And yeah. And you did that at U of S? Like you took computer science courses here? Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> I, I, I um, have a, a colleague that um, he does statistics and he's, he's actually kind of Similar, he'll come up to me and he'll be like, hey, I have a car trick. Oh, yeah? And he uses <laughs> some statistics and some math, um, yeah, to, to show some pretty cool tricks. Yeah, that, those are great presentations. I'd like to, to meet him and maybe share some ideas. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to connect you guys. Now, if you could leave behind maybe a book, a movie, TV show... Or even maybe a, an album of something, some sort. Uh, what would you leave behind that would, when the person watches, listens, or reads, they would get to understand who you are? That is such a deep, hard question. I'm bad with Sorry. those ones. No, no, that's a, it's a good question. It's just I'm not used to um, I'm not used to acknowledging those those things about myself. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I would leave behind. What, like, what would you tell me about what you would do? <laughs> Flip it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I would actually leave behind uh, Inception, the movie Inception. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a good movie. Yeah. I'm not going to explain why or anything because uh, I want to get back to you. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping to. But, uh... we'll, we'll skip that question because, you know, it's going to get your subconscious thinking about it. You're going to have something that comes up in a second. So Exactly, yeah. But I have another hard question, possibly. Okay. <laughs> if you could leave behind some sort of media, you know, book, movie, TV show, whatever, that teaches a very important lesson that your future kids will have to learn. I I think I would want to leave a video behind, for sure. Um, I guess there's so much you can do with a video that you, I feel like you can't really do with a book. Um, so, I mean, for example, I'm just thinking of a video that kind of looks at the things that I discovered after taking that anti-racist class and then my discussions with people, okay. I would want to leave a video that kind of recorded some of those discussions. So just talking to people and having them say like, you know, I feel different because of this. Um, you know, like I feel I get followed around in stores because of my race or, um, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of my colleagues, um, and I have some friends that, uh, they're scientists, female scientists, and, uh, they say that, you know, they feel like part of the way they're critiqued is based on their appearance. So, I mean, besides what it should be, which is just the quality of their work, you know, they'll get comments about what they look like and their appearance. And so, I mean, then you see that, like, there's just, all of those different factors, you know, based on gender and things like that, that, you know, I don't, that I take for granted because I don't have to experience that. So I'd want to leave something like that behind to show that, you know, this exists and you need to realize it. You need to acknowledge it. You need to, um, you need to acknowledge it. That's, that's yeah. just it. Right. In order to get past it, you need to know it's there. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. Very good. Save that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Going back to the question, though, do you have something that would that screams Stavros? God, I don't. I mean, <laughs> I I have a like a little office at my condo, and it's just loaded with a whole bunch of math papers. 
just scribbles and I just store a lot of stuff, which like I, I'm not used to being a messy person. Like I'm always clean, but I just have an atrocious looking office. But I mean, I've walked by offices in my department. It looks like all mathematicians are kind of like that. So if you looked at my office uh, just upstairs here, you would <laughs> I see something really similar. <laughs> I don't know if you're the same way, but everything kind of has its own place when you're in, in the midst of working on something. Yeah. Right. It's definitely organized chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you're, you know, if you're working on something new mm -hmm. and maybe you come into a roadblock or a, a problem that you're not able to solve just yet, mm -hmm. how do you get your mind around it and push through it? Essentially, how do you reset to, to, to conquer that? Um... So I guess maybe like you're thinking something in, related to my outreach programming, like something yeah, like that. Any any of the work that you you do, mainly the outreach, I guess. Uh, well, I guess like with anything, my outreach or, or the research that I work on, um, it it all has to do with um, connecting with people. Um, I just couldn't imagine if I had to do any of this stuff alone. I mean, a lot of this stuff couldn't happen if it weren't for other people. Yeah. So I think it's just building relationships, building connections with people, um, you know, uh, finding someone that, you know, you can offer something to, they can offer something to you, you can work on something, build something, uh, because, you know, everybody's different, but everybody has something to offer. So you can make some pretty beautiful things when you find the right person to work with. Right, so you have, you've built a team so far. Yeah, I have a lot of, um, I have a, a lot of different um, people that I that I work with, that I connect with, kind of depending on what the work is, whether it's outreach work or um, research for, you know, my um, my math degree, stuff like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. And do you have any tips for building those relationships? They happened. I don't know. They happened pretty naturally. I think. I think you just kind of have a magnetism and hopefully you just attract the right kind of people, ask the right kind of questions. And I mean, eventually, you know, some part of someone will resonate with you and then you can, you build off of it from there, I guess. Okay. So it's, it's just happened natural to you. Yeah. You don't even have to work at it. Well, it yeah. It sounds so easy. <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I, yeah, I just feel like all the connections I've made have been very organic okay and, and that's great too uh well at the same time i guess you know someone that's trying to force it it will come off that way too yeah yeah like i mean you have to you have to offer something also i mean you don't want to just meet with someone and just leech from them right i mean you you want to have something that you can offer so now excuse my ignorance again but uh when you're reaching out for new connections, what, what is your, like, how do you present your offering to them? Well, um, I guess kind of right now, the types of connections that I've been making have just been, um, teachers and elders and, um, funding agencies basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it kind of just depends who I'm reaching out to. So if I'm, you know, reaching out to a school, I'm, wanting to connect with the teacher and the students. So, you know, I, I say, this is what I have to offer. Um, do you, like, what can you use? Like, what do I have that, that you'd benefit from? Right. And, um, cause I have some resources, I, you know, I'd like to help. Um, and then I guess also just, um, for connecting with people regarding funding. I mean, it's kind of the same idea. You just, um, you say, this is what I'm doing. This is why I think it's valuable here's kind of the reaction from the community. Is this something that you want to support? Like, do you want to be in this um, partnership? Right. And yeah, that's how it happens. I want to help people with me, basically. Exactly. Yes. In business of helping people, man. Yeah. Man, I just want to take a time out for a second and just acknowledge you for being someone that is willing to go out there and help as many people as you can. And thanks. Utilizing your knowledge to go forward and just helping people like that, that is so strong in itself. And Thank you. Being a hard worker too, 
to get to that point. And yeah, we want to make sure that everybody knows that you're an extremely hard worker. Well, you know, there's a reason why you're here. Honestly, though, I I'm really I'm really just using my my position of privilege, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I realize that I've had an easy life. I mean, I've had struggles like everybody has their struggles but I mean when it comes to, right down to it I've had an easy life um, I've, I, I've been able to kind of get what I need get what I want um, I've had a lot of support it was always easy for me to get to, to get support and and I know that that's not the case for a lot of people so um, I want to yeah I, I want to help especially when it comes like particularly when it comes to um, learning teaching that's great I, and if anyone can take anything from this just the amount of confidence that you have in your own abilities. I can see that coming through just in everything that you're talking about. Because when you're saying something is so easy, that that's really good confidence. And in a good way, too. It's not that you're arrogant in any way. You're very humble about it, and I like that. And Thanks. I'm sure that all your students feel that from you, and they resonate with that. Yeah, well, they're in grade 6, most of them. Yeah. But, yeah, they... Uh... They're definitely really excited to 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 see me because I'm you know I'm coming with games and stuff yeah. and yeah so it's it's easy to connect when you know I'm walking in there and I'm holding something that makes them excited. Right. They're more curious about what I'm bringing than me, but <laughs> that's fine. And then uh, they end up learning, which is the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what would you say? is the single most important piece of advice that you've received in your life so far? Um, it's probably, it's probably something that I, um, that I kind of just said, and it was that, um, you know, a lot of people are born with more advantages than others. Um, and, you know, just acknowledge that, you're standing on the shoulders of other people. A lot of people just think that, you know, oh, I did it on my own. I'm like, I didn't need anything from anyone. I didn't need help from anyone. But I just, I'm sure that that's really not the case. And I think if uh, everybody kind of stopped and thought about it, they got there because of someone else. And it's just acknowledging that. Um, And then, you know, looking at who can't get to where they want to be because they don't have that support. So... Yeah. That's powerful. Very, very powerful. I'm nailing it, hey? <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. Thanks. This is, uh, I'm learning so much from you right now, and uh, I can't express how happy I am to be, you know, just learning so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I uh, I actually, I, I can't wait for the, the uh, TEDx videos to be uploaded, because I, uh, I mentioned to you I wasn't able to, to see yours. Um, there was, like... The one before you had just finished, and I went out to go get a bottle of water, and then people started, people were in the lobby, and some started talking to me, and then I just got trapped there, and I didn't want to be like, oh, I, you know, I want to go in there, like, I want to see this next one, because I was waiting to see yours, and uh, yeah, before you know it, uh, before I knew it, I heard clapping, and you were done, and then everyone came out, and yeah, so. Yeah, well, that whole event, everybody that's a speaker is just... Like a, like a celebrity for the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. People are wanting to come talk to you. And uh, you must have had a lot of people come talk to you after the uh, after your event. Yeah, there was a couple of people. And it was, uh, you know, my, own, my whole goal for that day was just to inspire one person. And definitely did because he came up to me and he, he said it, it spoke to him on a deeper level. And it was, it was really cool to hear that. Yeah, no, exactly, because that's the thing about those TED Talks is that after you watch them, you always feel empowered, and you always feel like you want to do something, and you're motivated, so, I mean, that's the goal. When you give a talk, like, you hope that someone gets that from you, so, yeah. Did you watch a lot of TED Talks in preparation? Yeah, like, I, I always watched um, TED Talks for school, um, in education, we watch a lot of them, um, but definitely coming up I turned on Netflix and I started watching TED Talks like crazy just to really get a feel for them and 
because this time I wanted to watch it kind of from a different perspective, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Instead of learning the message, learning the the presentation behind it. Yeah, learning how the message is delivered. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite TED Talk? Maybe top three? Um, probably the last one that I watched the night before the our TED Talk. Mm -hmm. um, it was one about, I think the theme was life hacks. Okay. And the presenter was just talking about uh, essentially ways that you you fake it till you become it. Right. I guess the cliche is fake it till you make it. But yeah. she says, no, fake it till you become it. Because, I mean, if you act the part of being confident and having confidence and um, and believing that you can succeed, a lot of different, a lot of different things are going on in your body with, you know, hormones and chemicals and, and you'll actually, you actually will become more confident and then you will be able to succeed. You basically just train your mind and your body to, to help you push through. Right. Very yeah. powerful. Yes. I, I believe that myself too. And in, in so many ways that, yeah, you just, if your mind believes it, it's so powerful. Yeah. And, and I mean, she was talking, she was even giving, good um ways to to do this like i mean she wasn't just talking generally she was like you know for example just the way you stand the way you sit like you know stand with confidence like stand like superman or or wonder woman things like I that know which one you're talking about now yeah she was the one that um partway through she describes i think being in a car accident yeah. and she was told that um she might not be able to function the way she was before and things like that but like it was really again really lucky that that was the last one that I watched because I was really nervous the night before but what she said was you know just stand there like you got it like just have your hands by your side like you're, superman you're yeah exactly and so if I felt nervous I I just I did that and it actually it does help it it does relax you and and ground you when you're like I can do this so I love her. I'm glad that I <laughs> watched that one. <laughs> and I'll, I'll track down the video. I'll put it in the description or the, the show notes, rather. And yeah. That way, anyone that listens, you can check it out. Yeah, it's my favorite one now. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm gonna watch it again right after we're done here. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, uh, uplifting one. Yeah. How crazy would it be if our our talks were on Netflix? That would be so cool if they got picked up. I asked Angela because I, I wasn't really sure how that worked. Um, and, and she said, I don't know if she, she was pretty busy. So I'm not sure if she was able to, to tell me, or maybe I just don't remember, but I mean, that would be, that would be really cool. Um, I know that there were TED Talks in Calgary and one of them got picked up. So I guess, you know, sometimes they like the theme, they like the talks and. So if it's good enough, he makes makes the cut. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be nice. So, I have a feeling that yours will probably be up there. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, with my microphone falling off. <laughs> well, if, I, don't know. I know there's a part of mine. Uh, I can't. I, I, I pushed through it and I ignored it, but I can't wait to watch it again just to laugh at uh, laugh at myself. Did you have a slip up or anything? I did. Yeah. What I happened? Just with yours? Uh, when I put. Uh, Put my jacket on. I forgot to tuck my shirt in before turning around, so it looked really unprofessional. Oh, okay. And then my jacket collar was up. Oh, it flipped so up. So about thirty seconds to a minute later, I realized, and then I fixed it. You know what? Probably so, only something that you noticed, though. Maybe. Probably no one else noticed. <laughs> uh, but now I'll notice. I'll look for it when I'm watching yours. <laughs> Now, how do you stay focused on a daily basis? Do you have a, like a, a routine to get yourself into a working mode, or from the sounds of it, it just comes naturally to you? But I'm hoping to find maybe there's just like one little thing that you routine that gets you gets your mind centered. I don't know if I like my schedule is pretty dynamic just because of all the different things that I have to do. But I, I mean, I, the majority, like right now I wake up and I have to um, teach classes in the morning. So I kind of just always do things 
like I, I know what I have to do later, but when I'm when I'm doing things, I'm really just always thinking about what I have to do next and finishing that. So I wake up in the morning and I know I have a lecture to teach at 8.30. So I'm not thinking about my afternoon lecture. I'm not thinking about other things. I'm just thinking about what I need to deliver this particular lecture. So I'm just thinking about, okay, what do I need to cover? Things like that. So it's really just focusing on the small tasks. And then you finish that, it's out of the way, and then you focus on the next thing. One step at a time. Exactly, yeah. You don't let yourself get uh, overloaded, it sounds like. Yeah, and you just can't split your attention everywhere because, I mean, you won't be able to give the quality that you would if you were just focusing on one thing. So. Right. Have you always been like that? I think I just started doing that recently, actually. Um, because um, probably before I, I was probably just trying to do too much and I just felt like the quality of what I was doing wasn't quite there okay. and you know it could have just been me or, or whatever but um, yeah I just felt like you know I can't do everything so I got to just take manageable bites. And you found that uh, you've been getting good results. Yes yeah yeah it definitely works. I mean I feel better I feel calmer right. um, and I feel like I'm accomplishing more when I do it like that. Oh okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that into practice myself now. Yeah, give it a try. Yeah, because <laughs> I do find that sometimes you know I, so much on the go that I try to think of it all at the same time. So even while I'm working on one thing, thinking of another, just focusing on that one thing. Yeah, yeah, and and like it's it's good. It's a good skill to have to multitask. I mean, you you have to be able to, and it, and it's good to kind of keep things on the back burner, but. I mean, you want to make sure that um, you're giving attention and prioritizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, how do you prioritize? What would be the most important thing that you need to do? Um, again, it, it always uh, it, it always changes. It's kind of my priorities are basically semester based because you know I'm kind of who I am and what I do. It's very tied to the university because I'm you know doing outreach work with schools and I'm teaching some university classes. So um, basically prioritizing just you know what what do I need to do to finish that semester. Right. So that's kind of how I go. You got things locked in, locked <laughs> in and dialed in. I'm just you're, um, you're a high performer. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying uh, I'm just saying the right things right now that's all <laughs> making it sound easy and it should be easy you know if everyone in the world could you know learn how to be a high performer it would be a completely different place and I think the mindset that you have you know everything's coming naturally to you it's easy that's something that uh, it's hard to learn and not everyone can learn I, I should say everyone can learn it not everyone has. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to really learn yourself and learn what you can do, your limits, um, you know, the people around you, things like that. Yeah. yeah. And how old are you? I'm 27. 27. Yep. You? 28. 28. Just turned 28 four days before Ted. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> happy belated. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, we're getting up there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good uh, birthday, a good time to have a birthday, October 20th. Yeah, it was my first performance of 28. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. And now, do you have anything lined up coming up right oh, away? Yeah, Christmas season. I'm right. Yeah, fully booked. I believe I only have a couple Sundays and weekdays open now. Nice. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, it's, it's going pretty good. This is actually my busiest Christmas season to date. Nice, good. All the years I've been doing it. So. Congratulations. Thank you. No, that's good. That's good you could take advantage of that. Because, yeah, I was going to say probably Christmas is your busiest time. I mean, you have a lot of shows and there's a lot of people putting on events and stuff. So. Exactly, yep. And then, you know, after mid-January, that's when things start to slow down, mm -hmm. almost to a halt, mm. at which point uh, I should... Well, no, I definitely will be because uh, that's next on my agenda is to start booking shows to for a tour. And then, yeah, that'll fill in that time. And up until about April, May, and then that's when grads start to 
Pop-up. Right, yeah, a lot. That's a popular thing. Hypnotists yeah. and, and magicians. Yeah. yeah, no, you got it. I mean, that's yeah. So you have your busy times. It goes down a bit. And busy again. Yeah, that's. Yeah, and I've made some mistakes in the past where you know I spent all of it too soon, so I had to start making the, the money stretch until the next busy season. So mm. I've learned a lot in that area. So. This time, this or the last couple of years have been have been great because I'm actually preparing now for those seasons and for the dead seasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just managing. I mean, I guess teachers do that all the time because they are not teaching over the summer. So I mean, either they are working or they have to, you know, figure out a way how to supplement that. You know. Right. Yeah. I get that. That's that's good. And that's got to be tricky because, I mean, things probably come up for you, unexpected costs, you know, just like anything. And, exactly. yeah, something you have to overcome. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a tough business. But, uh, yeah, more and more people I speak with and learn from, I feel like it's going to make my business easier. Yeah, and it's definitely word of mouth. And, I mean, probably this TED event is going to be great for you. I'm hoping so. Yeah. yeah. I feel like uh, I didn't hand out too many business cards, but I, you know, that's not really all there is. People were able to, to see what I'm about. So if if my name comes up or you know if an event comes up, hopefully they'll think about about me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like TEDx was uh, an awesome experience. Uh, took me out of my element. Wasn't something that I normally do because normally I will set up a trick by talking about the trick. Mm-hmm. Whereas here I told a story and incorporated magic into the story. Mm. So, yeah, completely different than what I normally do. Oh, okay. That's why you're really practicing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super uh, nervous. No, you probably just had to get in the zone. And it, is this the, or was this the largest audience that you've ever? Uh, it's close. Close. Uh, I don't know exactly how many people we had there. I think it was like 100, 100 to 150. Yeah, I've I've done a crowd of three hundred. Oh, really? Yeah. What was that for? It was for a a wasis. It was a uh, I forget the exact type of event. I think it was more of like a convention, and they have uh, different booths, and then they have the main entertainment. Oh, okay. On the on the list, and yeah, they had a live video camera and a couple screens set up so that the people in in the other rooms could watch too. Nice. So it wasn't just that room, it was a couple other rooms. And was that in Saskatoon? It was, yeah. Oh, okay. And, yeah, definitely nerve-wracking. That was my first big audience, and that was four years ago now. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Come a long way? I uh, I believe so. I would like to know what your take is on the meaning of life. Meaning what to you? I know it's a very large question with various answers, but what does it mean to you? Oh, see, I always struggle with these questions, right? Every time you give me these ones, I I can never answer them. I always have to go back to them. Meaning of life for me. Just recently, we had somebody on who, for them, the meaning of of life was is stories, mm-hmm. and telling stories, and hearing stories, and sharing stories. I guess, okay, I guess for me, um, you have to find a purpose. It's pretty obvious. I guess that's pretty cliche, right? So what do I mean by that? I guess you have to find something that you're good at, something that you enjoy doing, and something that I guess you are growing from and benefiting from and other people are benefiting from that. And I guess the reason why I think that now is just because I guess maybe it's because we're at that age where, you know, we talk to our friends that are all, you know, they're starting their careers or they have their jobs and a lot of people just aren't fulfilled or they don't feel challenged or, or, or whatever. So, I mean, that's, that's your work. That's a big part of your life. So I think, uh, and that's a big part of like how you identify yourself. So, I mean, I guess the meaning of life is finding something fulfilling that you do that that that's meaningful to you and and also that that does something 
for someone or, or other people, right? Like, I mean, it's the common good. Yeah. Something that you enjoy doing and helps other people. Exactly, yeah. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're Hopefully, yeah, yeah. For right now, yeah, I, I lucked <laughs> out. I managed to find it at 27. That's I'm really lucky. Good job, Thanks. and I see a big things in your future. Thank you, sure. thank you. I know I say I'm a, a mentalist and a mind reader, but that's not what I'm doing. Actually, really, I, I'm receiving that vibe from you that you actually will be very successful in this area, and I know you already are. Not to say that you aren't already, but... Oh, yeah. No. I got, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. I'd like to, to leave it on one last question. If you could... Actually, before we get to there, uh, how can people find you? Um, a lot of people find me... I guess it depends what they need. Um... How are people finding me? Well, I guess people that are finding me right now are, are, are teachers and educators that, that want me to, um, come do some work with them. So, um, uh, I have my contact information. I mean, all that stuff is on, uh, the university's website. So, I mean, people know I'm affiliated with the university, so they, they know where to look. You know, okay. you just type in the keywords in Google and that right. comes up. No one's doing what I'm doing at, at the university right now. So right. I'm the only person that's going to come up. Okay. Yeah. And is there anything in particular that you'd like me to put in the show notes? Any links or? I don't think so. Just we don't have anything um, established yet. There's something in the future that we want to get going. We want to have a website where we can um, put all the ideas and, and like make a resources website and right. connect with other people doing the same thing. But yeah, unfortunately, right now I don't have anything. But okay. which is too bad. I'd like to get well, that out there. But once once you do. Let me know. Yeah, I'll I'll update it. I'll keep it updated. Uh, the the uh, the post that I make about this podcast, mm -hmm. I'll I'll update it with whatever information you send me in the future. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. thank so you. I appreciate it's, it's that. It's current and yeah, perfect. All right, last question. All right, it's, it's probably gonna be hard. Long. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, what do you feel like you need to learn next? That is a good question. What do I feel like I need to learn next? Um, I actually, I need to, I need to start connecting with other people doing similar work that I'm doing, whether it's local, um, but especially like across the provinces. Um, because, you know, every province has their, their mandates and their new initiatives, um, in doing, you know, Aboriginal math education. Um, and I'm kind of, unfortunately, I'm a bit on an island right now, you know, just developing things, meeting people, stuff like that. And I'm, I, I need to take a step back and see, you know, what else is out there, what other people are doing. And okay. that would be that. Yeah. Very cool. Now, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, um, Kind of recently we had a conference and I met some teachers from university or some, uh, yeah, I guess like, like they're teachers, they're outreach workers, they're faculty at the University of Regina mm -hmm. and they're doing something similar. They're, you know, developing curriculum, focusing on Aboriginal math education. And, and I unfortunately didn't know that much about them. I, I, I knew who they were, but I didn't know the depth of what they're doing and, okay. and, I'm actually embarrassed that I haven't connected with them sooner. I mean, it just seems natural to kind of, you know, align with people that are doing the same thing so that, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel and, you know, we're, we're sharing resources. It's just more efficient. So. Right. Exactly. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And I actually, I remembered one of my, one of the questions I try to ask everybody and yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. I'm sure that we're like, I should, start reaching out to other people in my industry more as well because I feel like we can all help each other you know grow we're all sometimes people can view someone else in their industry as competition but no if they're doing really well that helps because that means that they're looking positively to that to what you do and then that'll help you as well yeah exactly all right 
just forgot the question. Sorry. <gasps> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm definitely... No, maybe I won't cut that part out. We'll see. We'll see when I'm listening to it. Yeah. Could you tell us a favorite story about something completely unrelated to your outreach program, to your schooling? Just your favorite story that you experienced yourself? Oh, that's hard. It's my favorite story. Family, it could be friends. Uh, my parents, my yeah, my parents moved around a bit just because they were opening up restaurants in other towns and stuff. Um, one place that we moved to, uh, North Battleford, it was. Uh, we moved into a place that had a pool in the backyard, and that was the most fun ever. Like you know, when there's, I had four younger siblings, like that's five people playing in the pool, and that that was just my favorite summer. We only lived there for about a year. So we took advantage of it for one summer. And just, just that is something that when I think about my, my childhood, even though it was just that one summer, that's just something that always stands out for me is, is being with my siblings and playing in the pool. I mean, that was where I think two of my siblings learned how to swim and, and yeah, that's it. It was just fun. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. And, and Hey, Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest on the podcast and sharing so much information. Stavros, you are the man, and man, you're going to change everything. It's going to be awesome. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to see what what you're about to to do next. Thanks. It's going to be exciting. And, And thank you very much for having me. No problem. And there you have it, folks. That was Stavros Stavro, such an amazing person with an outlook on life that we could all just benefit from if we could attain that same level of confidence and just knowing that things will happen and fall into place as long as you just keep on working hard. It's so amazing. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Please go ahead and share this podcast with someone you feel that would benefit from hearing it. Please also hit that subscribe button so you're updated on every episode from here forward. And thank you so much once again for listening. I appreciate it and I appreciate all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this. My name is Hadlin and remember, go out there every single day and work at your highest possible ability in everything that you do. Thank you very much and have a great day. Mm -hmm.